This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Yeah, we made it. You just talking. If they hate it, you know they're watching. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Nice camera action. Hello, world. Welcome in to Moneyline on a beautiful Sunday morning. And we have a finals matchup in the horizon. In studio with the statistician, my partner and grind at Josh Jordan 97.5 is where you can find him on Twitter. Josh Jordan. What's going on, Jerry? Beautiful holiday weekend. How you doing, my man? I have that uh, finals aftertaste after last, uh, you know, that, that taste in your mouth. You wake up the next day, you finally know who the two teams are yeah it's time for it's time for war it's time for a fight it's time for the guy behind the glass rocking it from 10 to noon with all the jams making sure that we stay in line making sure that we put money in your pockets at carlson radios where you can find them andrew what's up guys good morning to both of y'all good morning man beautiful morning nice holiday weekend i hope everybody's enjoying it out there staying safe having some fun some good sports yesterday astros with the big walk-off win great basketball game last night hey you can't ask for much more than that you can't ask for much more than the way that game ended just to touch a little bit about that's going to be the hot topic right now if you sure. want to talk about it 713-780-3776 at moneyline 97.5 is where you can reach us Text, tweet us, call us. We want to. We want to hear your thoughts. If whatever thoughts you have on Kawhi, there's a certain uh, sports personality that had his take on Kawhi. We'll get into that in just Ooh, yeah. a second. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you have uh, that term that we use? We've used a lot lately. Sports jealousy uh, uh, yeah. as to what Kawhi was. Or I want to know your thoughts. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. During this show, we'll also be giving out a big max play. Anybody who calls, you want to get that max play? I have the Europa League winner that's coming up this week. I have it in my pocket right now. Call the show. Show some love. I'll give you that. I'll put it in your pocket because, I mean, let's talk. You tell me, how's our soccer been going, Josh, for your Oh, world? man, it's been going good. If I call in the show, will you give me the pick, too? <laughs> we have been printing money in soccer. And some say, okay, well... Soccer, like these big leagues, are coming to an end, right? Where, yep. I mean, we're we're finding money in Chile. <laughs> You're finding like junior varsity German soccer league winners. <laughs> if you go see these streams first, you'll catch about three or four viruses on your on your on your way to finding a stream for this. But once you finally get comfortable and you sit down, you realize that you're the only one watching, and not even in the stands there anyone. There's not, we look at these games and you ask yourself, what high school stadium are these guys playing in? It doesn't matter. That's where you find gems in the rough. The the books want you to pile up your money for the for the Champions League final on June 1st. They, they know that the world is going to be watching millions, billions around the world yeah. will be watching that match. But that number would be sharp. Who's watching Chile soccer? 
That's, Chilean. That's a good point. Oh, you always talk about all the pretty things, right? Those aren't always the good plays, the real pretty ones. You want you want the dirty ones. That's where you make your money. You, and yeah. that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Exactly, my man. You want to find these lines that, that not very many people are touching. It, it does, the number's not even sharp. Yeah. If Always remember, if, if the game's got a limit on it, if they're limiting what you could bet on it, then that's a good sign because they don't want to be uh, – don't the liability they want to have on that particular game, they don't want to have it high. Same thing in gambling NFL, for example. When the lines open up, not every – all right, let's 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 talk about this real quick. People use the term sharp a lot like they, sure. the sharp side is on that. The, the, the wise guys are on that. Yep. Not every bet is – not every dollar is equal, meaning when the lines first open up during the week, there's limits because they don't want some the, the big better coming up there throwing a hundred grand on one side. Now they have to switch the line to to entice to, to to generate action from the opposite end, and now they're chasing the line the whole time trying to get it right according to their numbers. They want so they open up a low limit. Here comes the the supposed sharp guys, the pros. They want to get it untouched. They want to get that, that that first line yep. before it's moved. Boom! They throw down money. Now there's a lot of money on. X side. Mm-hmm. Now the book's objective is to get it equal or as close to equal money throughout the week to where they think that number. So they start adjusting that number, and that's where the game is. So again, whenever you get those bets during the week early, a ten uh, a three thousand dollar bet during the week early when the low limits are low and they're maxing it. Whenever it gets to Thursday, Friday, and the books have an idea of where they are at and they open up those limits, here comes that guy and here comes the big bet, and then that moves it a certain way. So again, yeah, it, makes sense. It just it's just crazy with these games. And again, so the whole point of this, when you get to these Chilean leagues, they don't have that. When you get to these little, because they'll set a limit, thousand dollar most bet you can make max. So there's no way to really. That, at that point, they'll gamble with you. Sure, they're not going to get caught with their pants down. They're they, not they, worried. Yeah, they, they can, they can, they can fade that a thousand bucks, something like that. So that makes a lot of sense. And I've had a lot of fun, you know, betting soccer with Jerry's picks. It's, you know, I've kind of gotten into soccer more and more the last couple of years. And hey, you get into it even more when you win some money. You know, there's no doubt about that. But Jerry's been on fire this week, and you also had the under on the, the Raptors game last night as well. Jerry's been popping out like some 20 unit plays, like a, several of them the last few days. What, what, what have you seen? I mean, you, man, you've, you obviously you've seen some stuff you like this week. What, what's been different this week over the last couple of weeks? Uh, situations, 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 and do these games make sense? We okay. Let's talk about last Sunday, and, and we lost last Sunday for the first Sundays in a long time on this show. One of the pet bets being the under in that Raptors game. Remember, double yep. overtime? It's crazy because we only get to talk to y'all one time a one, week. Once so a that, week, yeah. It seems like that was so long ago. Okay, so let's talk about that double over, uh, overtime. That, and it still barely got there by like 10 points. Yeah, and I was with you on that one. I lost okay. on that one too. My thought then and my thought as going into to, to last night was the same thought. Game one and two, the Bucks dominated with pace. They came out and, and ran out of pace. They were the number one team in pace in the playoffs. That was their objective, obviously, that they don't they didn't want to play half court sets. You saw that that's trouble for them. Yeah. That's trouble whenever they get locked down in them half court sets. They like to get off and running. They go up 2-0. What does Toronto's mentality have to be? This is where the bets come from. So you right. have to say, I have to take away what they do best and I have to slow this game down. I have to do what so then you go look at who Toronto was this year. 
a slow paced team. They yep. had the second best uh, d- defense in the in the playoffs, defensive rating right behind Milwaukee. So you're telling me the one and two teams in defensive rating and a team that's down 2-0 going home, giving up plus 113, 115 points. They, the Bucks hit the team total both game one and two. What's their objective got to be? We got to slow this game down. We got to win games low. That's what they did. Unfortunately, it went double overtime. We didn't win. But last night, you saw that. You saw that. That's how the game's going to be played out. All I was worried about last night was, please don't go to overtime. Overtime, I know. <laughs> I kept thinking, please do not go to overtime right now. And then when they started coming back. But let's talk about it in general. Now, go ahead and give us the hot take first. Because there's going to be a lot of hot takes coming from the game last night. A lot of people are going to be on, on all types of sides of the fence. So let's talk about a certain Skip Bayless. What was his thoughts on the game? Man, he was uh, he was a little rough on Kawhi or number two as he calls him, you know. It, and look, this makes sense, right? Skip's a Spurs fan, and we know what happened with Kawhi and the Spurs, and, and you know him forcing his way out of town. And then what does he do? He you know he goes to the finals now. So you know Skip's not liking that very much. So I mean, throughout the whole game, like I'm counting here, he must have tweeted twenty times. I mean. I mean, every other second he was tweeting something, but it's funny. I mean, it's it's really slanted though. Another overrated fourth quarter by number two made one lucky bounce three, which made him one for eight for three for the game and a wide open breakaway dunk. Those were his two field goals. But man, did he have a lot of help? You know, everything was a, a backhanded you know shot there. And then how about this one? Well, I guess it worked for number two to quit on the Spurs last season, complaining of what Spurs doctors decided was no more than a thigh bruise. He wound up in the East playing against a hobbled, sick Embiid and an overrated Giannis. Crime pays. I feel sorry for the Toronto fans chanting MVP. He'll soon quit on them, too, as he ducks out in free agency, probably for L.A. Like, salty oh, man, like right as the guy go, goes to the finals, gets a huge win, like just crushing him. Salty. Man, and that, that skip, dude, he is he's very emotional. And once you get on his bad side, you've seen him with LeBron throughout his career. Like, that's never changed. He's always against LeBron. To some extent, kind of like that with James Harden, too. I think a lot of that's because he picked the Rockets to win the series against the Warriors. So now he's even more bitter because, you know, James made him look bad. And, look, I watch a lot of these debate shows, not just skips, but, you know, all of them. And, you know, I work in this industry, uh, so it's it helps me out to kind of have an idea of what the national media is talking about. So it gives me an idea of, you know, when we do sports map stuff. And so I've learned that with Skip. He's, he gets very bitter. He makes it very personal. And once he's decided – he doesn't like you or he doesn't like your game, like, that's not changing. Like, you almost can't change the guy's mind. But And he's the same way the way he loves hard, too. You know, Tom Brady can do no wrong. Even a guy like RG3, he'll still say, like, RG3 was a great pick. So he's just one of those guys. Once he's locked in, he's locked in. And, you know, and he's burned. He's Colin, his first Colin like Colin, though. Colin Coward yeah. does the same thing. These guys stick to their guns even they though do. they know they make. Again, though, imagine, though, yourself having to make takes because that's what these shows are run off yes. hot takes here come up with hot takes having to make these takes that you might not 100% believe in but then you have to 100% try to stand by behind yeah, them because you're on TV yeah and then now it comes to a point like why did I even say that and some guys might be able to to let that down and say okay you know what but these guys are sticking to their guns and that's what gets you saying nah man it's time somebody checks you that's the thing right is 
you know, it's something that Lance says on the morning show all the time, which I agree with. You know, if some player proves you wrong with your take, just take the L. You know, you're not going to get everything right. You know, nobody's perfect. You're not going to call everything perfectly. So if you have a take and a guy proves you wrong, then just admit it. You know, just say, hey, you know, I, I didn't get that one right. You know, congratulations to him and move on. You know, like, I don't know how you have to just you know fall on your sword for the rest of your life looking like a dumbass you dan know? patrick had a wonderful segment uh, within the last few weeks ago it made a round around twitter yeah. and he was talking about hot takes and the way that media runs now sports media and he says you know whenever he first started it didn't consist of that yeah it was it was more of a level ground now the hot takes guys they get clicks and they're going yeah. for clips uh, clicks and 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 they want that's what they thrive on is attention whether it's good or bad right. they don't care they no. just want it and it's changed the game in a per se, in, in a way. And he says, let's get it back to what it really was. I, I'm with him. You know, Max Kellerman's another one that, you know, a lot of Houston fans have been coming at him saying, you know, Harden shouldn't be an all-NBA first team And player. that's ridiculous. You know? Come on. Like, like, let's get serious here. Now, I, I've got a lot of bad things that, you know, some, some spots that I say about Harden as far sure. as things that I want out of him and stuff. But to say that he's not a first team NBA, all, yeah. now we're just getting out of hand here. I'm with you, and that's – you're right. They're just going after – well, we'd be talking about Max Kellerman in Houston if he wasn't saying that about James Harden. Probably not. We'll talk a lot more basketball. We'll preview the finals. They start Thursday night. Three-to-one favorites for the Warriors. Does that make sense to you? Minus 310 favorites at some spots. I don't know if uh, – I don't know if I see Toronto winning the series. I don't want to give you my bet. We're going to give you my leans. We're going to give you some soccer bets, big ones today. Big soccer bets, big soccer leans. We got a little bit of football news also coming up. Get the show, 713-780-3776 at Moneyline975 is where you can get us on Twitter. Let's have some fun. Let's make some money. You listen to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline975. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Yeah, I'm just, you know, at that spot I'm thinking, you know, I got a What I would do. I would say, Kenny, do me a favor. Throw the ball out of bounds one time, and I'd knock the hell out of Drake. <laughs> me too. That, me that, too. That, that, that's, that's how you do it. That's the way we used to do it. When yeah. there was a fan giving us a hard time, I'd say, hey, man, lose the ball out of bounds. I, I, and I, you got to knock the hell out of him. This is what you got to do. Hey, man, you all right. Welcome back to Moneyline, <laughs> 713-780-3776. If you want to knock the hell out of Drake, give us a call at Moneyline975. is where you can find us on Twitter. Shoot us a text on that same number if you want, 713-780-3776. At Josh Jordan 975 at Carlson Radio, at Jerry Bone Knows with an S. The Z might be back. The countdown is on seven days. It, seven days. So basically, once you fight it and you say, and you basically it's called a counter... Whatever. So you basically have to. It gets serious. You used to have basically say, I, Jerry Bo, under the whatever law section, blah, I'm not committing perjury. 
You know what I mean? It gets yes. serious. Yes. I get nervous. I was looking out the window like if somebody was going to pull up <laughs> while I'm doing this. Either way it goes, they, they put you on a 10-day notice. They say if the person that reported you happens to come back and wants to take you to the court. These guys are talking about Supreme Court. <laughs> Listen, the only yeah. Supreme I know one is Nacho Supreme. Nacho Supreme. I don't have time for Supreme Court. I don't have gas money to get there. I need my account back. Seriously. 10-day waiting. They made me wait 23 days to get a response. I picture it like it's uh, Goodfellas and there's like helicopters following you around as you're driving around the city. <laughs> that, it's ridiculous. It's the Twitter police. It's ridiculous, but hey, the countdown is on. Maybe by the next time we talk, the, the Z will be back and, and let the good times roll. No, you need that. Look, social media is cracking down. A lot of these record companies are, are, cra- are cracking down too. And, you know, you saw the Rockets got their account suspended for a few days this past week. And, <laughs> and it was actually because of some music that was playing, I think, in the background. And that's happening with a lot of stuff. It's it's going out everywhere. All these record companies, they're not making money off records anymore, right? Because yeah. you can get all your music for free. So they've been kind of lax with letting music play in the background of social media. And a lot of times in these kind of highlight videos, you'll have music playing in the background. You know, it might be Seven Nation Army or, you know, something like that. And the record company that owns that material is now going to all these social media platforms and being like, hey, that's our stuff. You don't have the right to use it. And they're getting these accounts shut down. I think this is just the beginning of all this starting to happen. I think it's a a terrible idea that they're doing it. I don't think it's going to work. It's just going to make people find another way to get around doing it and cause a bigger problem. But get ready. This is going to start happening. Just be careful if you're posting stuff on social media and it's got any kind of, you know, music or or anything you don't have the rights to. It's crazy. It's, Why yeah. does YouTube put the share option though? Right. And when you hit Twitter, you know, and I'll try to get you hype in the morning and I'll put a little let's go to war and then they yeah. take me they suspend me. It doesn't make sense. We talked about this last week. I can share a video with you through like email, right? I can send you a YouTube link and that's cool. But if I tag you on Twitter and send you the same link, they can just suspend my account. You know, I like it, I don't get it. Maybe they feel like you're somehow profiting from their, you know, their property. I don't know that obviously they have some kind of reasons for it and they got plenty of lawyers. So this is just kind of the way it's going. Welcome to 2019, guys. You're going to see a lot more of this, so we, you know, we have to be careful. If we don't want your account to keep getting suspended, you know, you'll have, you have to be kind of making sure you're not posting stuff that you can't post. And I thought that was the whole point of social media was to, you know, share funny stuff and, and funny videos. You know, it's not like I'm selling them, but anyway, that, that's that's where we're at until that changes. Uh, this is what we're stuck with. It's going to be a whole Friday night for me whenever hopefully I get the account back. I'm I'm going to have to backtrack since yeah. the account started and delete and yes. delete. That's my that's my next move because and and if you're out there listening Twitter Twitter trolls whoever out there is doing <laughs> this to me because that's all it takes is one person reporting yes. it and then you have to fight it and then the people never fight it back. Right. You end up losing 20 25 days. I'm a man of the people. They need me. They do and if if they don't know your Twitter account to go to the one with the S, you know, then they're missing out, and so are you. I had a guy write me <laughs> speaking of that this weekend, and he said, "Hey, what happened to Jerry Bone Knows? You're a parody account." And I told him, "No, nah, man, it's me." <laughs> then I tried to use terminology. I used, I said, "It's me, my man," and he said, "Ha ha, very funny. What, where, why are you doing this?" Like, and I'm thinking, "Bro, it's me. It's really me. Like, please, me. yeah, like it's me." But he didn't believe it. He quit writing me. He just, he, it just, but again, that's, you see a lot of this, 
the fake the, the, yeah. the fake uh when it's a uh, free agent season you know what i mean you start seeing these parody accounts they then they'll get you they'll get you they, they get me will. all the time yeah the fake ian rapaport and the, the fake adam schefter and you know, I do social media for a living. You've got to make sure you're not retweeting <laughs> the wrong one. Yeah, they're out to get you. So anytime, the, the biggest one, it's always April Fool's Day, right? Like you have to be so careful because trolls just live for April Fool's Day. And, you know, to put out some ridiculous trade and try and get somebody respected to retweet it. But, you're like, you're pulling out April Fool's jokes in mid-November, yes. though? Yes, they're doing it all the like time, Like mid-November, man. you're still doing this? People... They need to get a job. Like, how do you have all this extra time to create all these fake Twitter accounts? Twitter's a wild place. It it's is, a man. wild world, and I'm, I'm here for it to see it go down. And it's it just yeah, it's funny. Sometimes uh, you just see uh, you'll see a post, and you know it's going to end up bad. You, oh, when yeah. somebody posts something, you're like, all right, this this is this can't go good. No. Uh, let me click the comments. Uh-huh. No, you can tell. You you got to look for that check mark, man. That is the that is the toughest thing, you know. Especially those very public accounts. Look for that check mark, or you will get burned. Burned is something that we can say is happening. Burning with the Chris Paul and James Harden news that Ooh. came out this week. A lot has been said as far as the Athletic broke the news saying that there was a little bit of bickering between Paul and James Harden as far as ball movement and how much the ball was being stagnant. What are your thoughts on this? How much truth do you think there is to this? And what do you think happens going forward? And for all you that don't uh, that, that haven't heard, again, the Athletic broke a news this uh, broke a story this week saying basically that that Paul during that game six they got into it. Maybe even at halftime there was a a little a little dispute. If you really add up those events, it kind of makes sense now. Maybe James Harden not not going so hard in that second half, in that in that fourth quarter particularly, and and Paul trying to do everything in that last game. Maybe you know it was kind of like who knows how that conversation went. And I just don't like to hear that from an overall standpoint because losing does that to you. Yeah. And once you get down to that game six and you're at home and you're about to you're facing and you feel things aren't going right, then yes, it's stuff. You, you might say things you don't really mean, but there is truth to it. Yeah. I mean, that's got to happen a lot, right? You know, with good teams, you don't always win the series and some guys are going to get a little emotional, right? It didn't go your way. And, and hopefully that's something you can get over after a few days. And, you know, that's what you have to hope with these guys. But we were talking a little before the show and. I think that's why we actually noticed Chris Paul in game six, right? Like, we noticed him. He played well. He, he really, you know, played well on offense, scored some points. But now we know it was at the expense of Harden not doing as much and Chris Paul touching the ball more. It'd be nice if they could they could share it a little more and get the ball moving, but that just doesn't seem to be the way they, they play offense here. We'll see if that changes. And, man, all the stuff with the coaching staff, you're seeing a lot of reports about, you know, are the Rockets trying to push Mike D'Antoni out by getting rid of a lot of his assistant coaches. I don't – it feels like we're going to see some real change here. There's a lot of rumblings going on right now, whether it's coaches, players. I think something's going to change because I think they finally realize – they have to they have to flip it. This isn't run it back again, right? They didn't lose this series because of a of a hamstring. But the, is you this know? a burn it down to the ground situation? No, I just think they're they're 
they're going to mix it up what they can because they're kind of in cap hell as far as the, the way they're locked into contracts right now. So I think they're going to try and find a way to, to make some tweaks without blowing the whole thing up. I don't think James is going anywhere. I don't, I don't think you could even move Chris Paul if you wanted to because of that contract. So I think it's going to be the guys around them. You know, is, does Eric Gordon still stick around? Is Capella? Do they try and do something with Once some of those Once you start moving guys? those pieces, though, that, and, and, and now you're making these small coaching changes yep. and, and – to me, that's almost like burning to the ground. I mean, obviously, you're not burning the ground because you're not going to get rid of Harden, which sure. is, but pretty much around it, you're moving. Sp- and I don't know if that's the case here. Is it more of a scheme thing? Like, let, let's not burn down the core. Let's let's l- l- change the scheme. Let, let's think of another way to fix this problem rather than burn it down because you didn't lead the league in wins by fluke. No. You know, two years ago they did, or, you know, not this season, but the one before. Had the most wins in the league. They were great. And they did look really good against the Warriors until Chris Paul got hurt. But- and you said Warriors. Stop it right. Yeah. Warriors. That's, yeah. that's the key word here. Fourth time in five years they've been eliminated. 4-1, 4-1, The Warriors, though. Dude, I mean, they're maybe one of the greatest dynasties in NBA history. I mean, but, you know, Rockets fans don't want to hear that. They... They want to. They want to win. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and I agree. I agree. I, I. They need to win, though. That's it, it, the, the moment was there. It felt yeah. like the if you, the whole offseason was about if Paul would have been there, and Rockets fans were so sure that if he was there, they were going to win. Now that the whole script is flipped, Durant not there, they still couldn't pull it off. Nope. It, it goes. I, burn the thing to the ground. Let's burn it down. But the question to me. Say the Rockets would have beat Golden State. Would they have won this? Could they beat Toronto? I don't know anything anymore because it just really showed me that Chris Paul, he's not the same player that he used to be. And if you have a way to kind of neutralize James, how else are the Rockets going to win? And if Kawhi can hold down James, what else would happen? Don't get me wrong, though. If you give me Lowry versus Paul... Which I'll take the old Paul. Well, uh, I say that loosely, though. Like, yeah, right? I, I say that sure. loosely. I say that loosely, and it it's just so tough to say, yeah, the Rockets were for sure going to win that, but I, I don't know. I, I, people were pencing them in, just beat Golden State, and you got it. I'd like to think that way. I, I would, too, but I have more questions now than I did, you know, and I see why the, the Rockets tried to recapture last year, but now you know that is not going to work. And but the thing is, is you know Tillman just spent a ton of money for this team. He's not about to go trading away all the good players and rebuild. You know he's he's in it for next season. And a lot of people that penciled in the Rockets. If you're listening out there, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Give us a call if you had the Rockets penciled in, and if you did that, you penciled them against the Bucks. Now that the script has changed and it's Toronto there, do you think your Houston Rockets, this team, could have won the finals? Do you think that? 713-780-3776. We'd love to hear from you. You listen to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. Years of research and innovation. Innovation Map is the new voice of innovation in Houston. Pretty cool, huh, Morty? Covering startups, tech, energy, health, social impact, and more. Visit innovationmap.com today. Do it now! Do it! Do it! Do it now!
You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776. At Moneyline 97.5 is where you can find us on Twitter. Give us a call. Shoot us a text. Let's talk gambling. Let's talk rockets. Let's talk football. That's what we're here for, right? It's offseason. News is nothing groundbreaking, but there is news. So let's jump into that right now. Around the NFL. What's happening? Julian Edelman gets a two-year extension. What are your thoughts on this? Man, makes a lot of sense. We saw what he did in the Super Bowl. I mean, he was almost, you couldn't cover the guy in the Super Bowl. He was amazing. And, you know, the Patriots don't have a lot, you know, and you have Gronk leaving, you know, to retirement. So I think it's something they had to do. Edelman's a guy that, you know, I I bet he'll be good for another year or two. So I I think they had to do it. It's Tom Brady's go-to guy. How many more years is Brady going to be there? So it almost feels like, you know, they'll retire around the same time. So that makes a lot of sense. Consistent? Yes. Big play guy, whenever you need him, he'll show up. PPR monster for fantasy. Brady loved it. He went to his IG. It showed him some IG love for sure. It's a move you have to make. I think so. I mean, and and they have plenty of cap room because Brady's, he's just cool. He wants good players around him. So he'll take like the 15th most money of quarterbacks in the league and just so he can load up his team because he cares more about winning. So, yeah, you lock up Edelman. I mean, you really need him this year because who knows what's going to happen with Josh Gordon. You don't know if you can count on that guy. Gronk leaving is a big deal. You know, I know they, they drafted a receiver in, in the first round, and, you know, they're throwing in Montana together, him and Brady. But, you know, that's a deal where he's a rookie, you know, and, and Brady really has to trust you to throw you the football. You know, remember when Chad Johnson was there for a brief period? It, it's not an easy system to learn. It takes some time. So, you know, I... I think you got to go with Edelman. He's the only guy besides maybe like James White that Brady's going to feel really confident and, and trust throwing the football to. Pick 232, 2009 NFL draft. Let's remember he was a quarterback. Yeah. Kent State, they listed him as 5'11 coming out, which was generous. <laughs> yeah, he's more like 5'10 probably. Fast forward, Super Bowl titles, the big plays and big moments. Some people started attaching Hall of Fame to him. That's what are crazy. Your, well, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? No way. I mean, his stats don't even, they're not even close to what Wes Welker did there. And, you know, the, the suspension that he had this year for the PEDs, you know, so he just. That's big. Yeah, it's big. And he hasn't played a whole lot. You know, he, he's missed games. He didn't really get going in his career until a little later. You know, he had to really work his way up in the system to get some playing time and really get Brady to trust him and, and, he even said he just kind of followed Brady around almost like an intern at the beginning of his career there and, and just kind of watched him and, and earned his trust. So, no, Hall of Fame, absolutely not. Look, I know he has all the Super Bowls, but this is like that Robert Ory argument. You know, oh, he won all the championships in the NBA. Should he be a Hall of Famer? No, he's a good player, but he was just he was on great teams. And I think that's Edelman. The slow start of his career. Then he finally broke out in 2013. Yep. Now he's the last three out of the four, three of the last four years, he's been a top 25 receiver in the league in a schematic offense that uses running backs 
yep. tight ends. Everyone gets involved in the pass game. It's spread out pretty evenly. But when you have Edelman on your fantasy team, you know that you're going to get nine, ten targets on good days. Yep. Five, six, seven catches. He's a guy that can make you miss. If you look at him, he's fourth since 2014 on guys that make you miss uh, tackles. That's behind big names, Antonio Brown, of uh, th- those kind of names. The guy's good. He knows how to find soft spots in zone defenses. He knows how to sit, get, move the chains. And he can stop and start on a dime. That's what makes his quickness. It's real obvious on the field. You know, I remember watching Kareem Jackson try and cover him a couple years ago, and I was just like, man, he just can't stay with Edelman. Just He's just too quick. And just look at Edelman's stats the last three games of this season. The playoff game against the Chargers, nine catches, 151 yards. Against the Chiefs, seven catches, 96 yards. Super Bowl against the Rams, 10 catches, 141 yards. Mm. You know, when it's money time, the money's on the table. You can trust Edelman, man. You just throw him the ball, let him do his thing, and – Man, he's running in the slot. Most of his routes are only, you know, 10 yards down the field. You know, he, he's not a, a, you know, a deep play threat, but he will eat you up on third down. I, I agree with you as far as the Hall of Fame also. I don't, yeah, I don't no. see it. Someone else, though, that's been talking Hall of Fame this week, Donovan McNabb. <laughs> yeah, saw that. Quote, I'm a Hall of Famer. Better numbers than Troy Aikman here. He's Do not you- wrong about the numbers, at least. No, no, not at all. So, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Let's leave Troy out of this to start this conversation, then we'll bring him in. Just talking McNabb's numbers, solely his his career overall, is he a Hall of Famer? See, I'm one of those guys where... I don't love to go pouring through the stats. I feel like if you're a Hall of Famer, if you bring up that guy's name, you should just know automatically, like, that's a Hall of Famer, just from your memory of him playing. And with McNabb, I just think he was really, really good. But I don't think Hall of Famer. He didn't win any championships. You know, we we hear those stories of him literally choking on the field, throwing up during the, the Super Bowl that was actually here in Houston against the Patriots. You know, so no. And remember when he left and went to the Redskins, man, he was terrible. So no, I mean, his prime years, he was really, really good. He was great for fantasy. Man, he was amazing a couple years for fantasy when he had T.O. at wideout with him. But no, I'm not going to put him in the Hall of Fame. But I'm also, I'm not putting Eli in either. You know, like I know he won two Super Bowls, but we've seen some diminishing returns with Eli Manning the last few years. I'm not putting him in either. And as far as the stats with Troy Aikman, Look, you didn't throw the ball that much back then. It's a different it's a different game now. You throw the ball way more. You know, Troy was handing it to Emmett Smith a lot on those teams. So I don't you know, I know they still played. There were a couple years where they overlapped where Troy Aikman was still playing and Donovan was in the league. But I still feel like football was totally different back then. So I don't feel like comparing him to Aikman really means anything. McNabb finished with thirty seven thousand passing yards, two hundred and thirty four touchdowns. 117 interceptions compared to Aikman's 32,942, so about a five, uh, four to 5,000 about yards difference. 165 touchdowns, about 60, uh, about 70, 69 difference in touchdowns, and interceptions, 141 interceptions. So he has more interceptions. So he's actually worse in all three of those categories. But McNabb, he knew where where to put the bullseye. No doubt. And we need to talk about this, too. That's an Andy Reid system, man. 
you know, a quarterback-friendly Andy Reid systems are. Look what Patrick Mahomes did this year. First year playing for a, for a full season as a rookie. Throws for 50 touchdowns. I mean, that's the type of offense that Andy Reid runs. And, and Donovan was in that system with some great players around him. Brian Westbrook, we don't talk about him, but, man, he was incredible out of the backfield. All those little that check screen, downs. Yes. Those, that, that Philly screen was deadly yes. there when they get those blockers going downfield. Now, we can go a lot of ways with this. Let's think of it, okay, because the weighing factor here is is probably the Super Bowl rings. That's big, right? Would McNabb have been able to pull off that kind of success with that Cowboys uh, historical Hall of Fame. I mean that that's one of the, if not the best roster. You know yes. th- that dynasty. How much success would have McNabb had then? That's what a lot of people. A lot, the McNabb side says that. Aikman side says you do realize McNabb averaged a hundred more throws. You know what I mean? The season. Sure. You do realize McNabb had to for a season and a half. He did, you know, but, you know, Troy had Troy, uh, Michael Irvin. Exactly. You know, so he had some really good players with him, too. It's just, you know, when it mattered in those huge Super Bowls and those big moments, you know, Donovan doesn't have the reputation for being very clutch. So, you know, would he have choked up and made some of those big throws that, that Troy made? You know, we'll never know that. But when Donovan had a chance to beat the Patriots, he couldn't do it. And one of the worst moments in draft draftee history was when McNabb was announced remember that crowd went wild it was ruckus yeah they it weren't was, happy with the pick they weren't happy with the pick overall whenever you think of McNabb though it, do you qualify as a successful career oh absolutely I mean they dominated that division for years they were fantastic he, he had a great career I think the other thing we ought to remember here is if Andy Reid drafts a quarterback, good chance that guy might be pretty good. You know, it worked out pretty good with Donovan. Patrick Mahomes looking pretty good. You know, as much as we kind of bag on Alex Smith, you know, he didn't draft him, but he traded for him. He did well. Alex Smith had some pretty good years with Andy Reid. So talk about quarterback whispers. Andy Reid right there. And him and Donovan, they had some great years, man. But I'm not putting him up there in Hall of Fame. That, that's just me. I, I'm not putting him above Troy Aikman. But if he gets in, he gets in. Sometimes the numbers just kind of get you in. But just just my personal Hall of Fame, you know, no. Hall of Fame is reserved for, you know, guys like Tom Brady. And, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers will clearly get in. Guys like that. Antonio Brown's name popped up in the news again. <laughs> Shocker. And for the wrong reasons, again. We'll talk about that when we get back. You're listening to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline 97.5. You're listening to Moneyline. On ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the ESPN 97.5 studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Welcome back to Moneyline, 713-780-3776. Give us a call. Let's talk gambling. Let's talk football. We got a lot of football to get into. At Moneyline 97.5 is where you can find us. At Carlson Radio, the man behind the ones and twos behind the glass getting a jamming. At Josh Jordan 97.5, at 
Jerry Bo knows. Let's continue the football talk while it's hot. Let's do it. Talk out of Arizona. The game plan. Cardinals may use shotgun formation exclusively or close to it. Wow. I saw that article. I read it. I, I mean, this isn't surprising, right? This, this is what Kingsbury does. And you got to protect the quarterback as well. You do. And I thought he made a good point. And he had some quotes in the article, and I'm paraphrasing. But basically what he said was, you know, when you're under center, like those gigantic offensive linemen are, are firing straight back and pass protection. And it's real easy to get kind of swallowed up in that. And it's hard to see over the line of scrimmage, especially when your quarterback's five foot 10 at best. So they, they, you know, Kingsbury feels like he, he gets a better snapshot of the field, uh, pre-snap and post-snap by being in the shotgun. So that's what they're going to do. Yeah. And Kansas city had a lot of success yeah. doing it. Quote Kingsbury says, when asked about, are you going to run it 90% of the time? One of the reporters even used that number. He sure. said, that's another thing we're working through to see what the best balance for us is. Last year, Kansas City was 80% plus. I think they were a decent offense. Pretty good, dude. <laughs> right. So we'll see. Whatever fits our team best is what we are going to do. It works. I mean, if you... But that was Mahomes. Yeah, that was Mahomes and... That was their offensive line's actually pretty good. Arizona's is god awful. I mean, they are terrible. And this also is, you know, a fantasy guy in my mind. How's this going to affect David Johnson if he's always having to run out of shotgun? You know what I mean? It's, tu- it's yeah. tough. And it takes away the element of, don't get me wrong, there's ways to still be able to run out of the shotgun, but it takes away the element of surprise at that point. At that point, you more are playing a spread almost offense. And you make a great point. What happens to David Johnson here? Because I know that they want to get it in his hands. So uh, we're, how are we going to do this out of the, it's just, it's just uncomfortable. And running out of the shotgun most of the time, with a rookie quarterback that at least Mahomes got to sit a year. Yeah, a bad offensive line running out of the shotgun. Now, the, the benefit is you're going to see some light boxes, right? You know, if you got four or five, you know, three, four wide receivers on the field, you know, they're not going to be in a three, four alignment. They're going to be, you know, in some kind of, you know, nickel or dime package. So it's going to be a light box. It should be a little easier to run without all those linebackers in there. But at the same time, you don't have that many guys blocking for you either. And, you know, you're, you're, you're deficient as far as talent on that offensive line. I think we're going to see a lot of screen passes to David Johnson. And it sh- Hey, at least they should be fun to watch. But Kingsbury came out and said he's going to run a lot of five wide receiver sets, like even before the draft. And we saw them, what, they take three wide receivers in the draft this year. And they already have Christian Kirk, and they already have Larry Fitzgerald. So they're going to throw the ball. I mean, they are coming out. They are telling you they are going to throw the football. We'll see if it works. I'm curious if it's – it'll be fantasy goodness yeah. all over that field. And their defense is not great. And Patrick Peterson's going to be out for, what, the first six games? One of those young guys is going to have to step up because I don't see Fitzgerald's uh, volume – um, don't get me wrong. He's been consistent sure. guy, but I don't see him being the the guy that you want to run this kind of high raid, uh, high octane offense. You don't want to run it around old Yeller. <laughs> no, I think he's almost going to be a 
like a tight end in a wide receiver's body, if you will. You know, Larry's a big dude. I think he's like 6'3". He's got a lot of size. You put him in the slot, typically against a smaller cornerback. You know, he can just kind of shield off defenders. You know, get those, you know, little third down, little eight-yard passes, little seven, you know, just move the chains. I think Larry can do that. I I don't think they're going to throw him the ball down the field very much. But I do think he's a guy that he can kind of be a a safety blanket. How much does Larry Fitzgerald do for this team off the field? Because that veteran mentality, uh, uh, a bunch of young receivers, a young quarterback. It's going to be huge. New coaching staff. Yeah. He is a huge part of that, and I, I love to see that because he's one of the few guys out there that you say, man, I trust that guy. I trust him. I trust him. Oh, me too, and I think he's going to have a lot of catches. I could see something this year where, where Larry goes for like maybe even 80 or 90 catches this year, but he doesn't get to 1,000 yards. You know, I could see something like that with him where you know he's very involved, but I don't see him getting a ton of yardage. But you know what? They got to try something. They're they're mixing it up. I mean, Arizona, they've been bad for quite some time. So it's time to change up the offense. You know, they're in a good division. I mean, that's a good division. So they're really trying to to shake things up. And, you know, Kingsbury might take some people by surprise the first quarter, first half of the season. Played 16 games the last five seasons. Last year, though, 69 catches. His lowest since not playing 16 games in 2014 where he only played 14. He had 63 catches that year. This year, 69 on 112 targets. That's a lot of, that's a, that's a lot of bad throws. Yeah. And well, we know Rosen did not have a great year, 734 yards, but let's take 2018 out of the, out of the equation, because maybe that was a problem with the, the roster and the quarterbacking and the changes. Let's go 2015 to 2017. Those three years, over 100 catches all three years. Broke 1,000 yards all three years. I like the numbers you threw up now that I'd look at it that yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a guy that could be your flex. You know, somebody, you know, you're not going to be excited and dancing because you have Larry Fitzgerald on your team. And th- that's okay, though. You know, he'll get the job done. He can He can serve that role. He can play in that role. And that's what they're hoping for. And then they're hoping those young guys can learn from him. What a great guy to kind of mentor the young guys. So th- that makes a lot of sense. In fantasy purposes, he's not a guy that's going to get you double-digit touchdowns. He hasn't done that since 2009. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Will he get you, you know, 10 years ago? Yes. It's a long, (laughs) this guy's old. This guy is old, but he's consistent. He's that guy that you somehow in the late rounds of a fantasy draft, you just scoop him. You're like, oh, Larry Fitzgerald. Okay. Yeah. You steal him. I'll take him. Yep. He'll get you about six to nine touchdowns. He's a guy that runs, you know, average depth of target, you know, eight to 11 yards. Yep. He's a ball moving guy. And like you said, what he will do. For these young receivers, he's huge. Yeah, and I I love it going forward. I love what he will be able to do for Murray. He's a lot like Edelman. He just doesn't have the same body type, but they're they're similar in the way that they work out of the slot a lot. They move the chains. They got great hands. They know where to sit down in the zones. They know when to run through in the man coverage. They're professionals. These are pro receivers. It's just Edelman's a little younger. He's still got a little more movement, a little quicker. He, he's built like that. And and Larry's a bigger guy. And, and Larry was never a burner, you know, even when he came out. Wow. He's a big body possession receiver, and that's what he's going to be this year. 
great head on his shoulders is what you want out of somebody that's a veteran that'll help teach these guys. Now, we'll stick to wide receivers and maybe the opposite of that. Antonio Brown, we teased it before going to break, so let's talk about it. He comes up this week. The former Sunkiss CEO, Don Binotto, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, tweeted a request for Brown to get the grass cut. So apparently Antonio's Brown's, Antonio Brown's house is up for sale in Pittsburgh, and he forgot to make the arrangements to keep the grass getting cut. So I guess he's in a nice neighborhood, uh, obviously, and the CEO, the former CEO of Sunkiss, doesn't like it. He said, hey, man, come on, let's get this worked out. Now, Antonio Brown comes back with... Oh, he's a reasonable guy. I'm sure it was a a great response. (laughs) Can you be a good Samaritan and do me a solid cut my grass? That's my other property up for selling PA. (laughs) Wow. It is really good people in the world like this. Send me your cash at hashtag business is booming, hashtag mow the lawn. (laughs) Of course he did that, right? The nerve of this guy making jokes... Then not showing up the, for the first day of OTAs, where this is going to be drama all year long. This is going to be fun to watch, dude. You know how much content Antonio Brown is going to continue to give us for this show. You know, we should send him a tweet just thanking him for being so ridiculous and giving us things to talk about every week, and it's going to continue. It, look, I think the Steelers made the right move, man. This guy. You can't reason with him. Move on. And he's getting older. Get him out of here. New head coach John Gruden. Gruden talks about him not showing up and says, I'm not going to get into the relationship business, (laughs) but I have to shake my head. I think Brown is a great guy. I love having him here. Derek is a great guy as well. You can't rush a relationship. You don't want a great relationship within three weeks or two months. It's something that you have to earn and you have to really work hard for. I'm a little worn out with all the relationship stuff and all things that really don't matter right now. (laughs) You know when it's hard to build a relationship? When you don't show up to hang out with. You know, like he's not showing up for OTAs, building relationships. How are you going to build a relationship when you're not there? Let's build a relationship. Coming up next, we're going to drop a max play. Don't miss out. You listen to Moneyline, ESPN 97.5. Twitter. Twitter. Follow the show on Twitter at Moneyline 97.5.